Welcome to the Your Life Rocks podcast, where we believe life balance is possible. Yes, even for you. This show is designed to help working moms focus on the things that matter most in life and helping you balance all that life has for you with practical tips from one working mom to another. My name is Jenny Stemmerman, and I am so glad that you're here to hang out with me today. Today is our last episode in our stress series. So if you missed any of the last few episodes, I invite you to go and check them out. We have been talking about stress from every single angle, from how you can set up your life proactively to be able to deal with stress when it comes, because we all know it's going to come. There is no getting away from stress in our life. We've also talked about what we have as far as stress in our relationship with ourselves, our relationship with God, and last week we dove into stress and our relationship with others. And it's so eye-opening, you know, when you look at the way that stress impacts our lives, but also in our relationships and how we can really take responsibility in that to have healthy, balanced relationships in our lives. So if you missed last week's episode, I hope you go and check it out because our guest is so brilliant and just amazing. And I know you'll love her. So go back and have a listen. And I hope it blesses you because that's why we do the show is so that hopefully it will bless you. It'll brighten your day, give you a little bit of pep in your step and really motivate you and inspire you as you continue to redefine what balance means for you in your life. And maybe, just maybe, start to believe that it's even possible. Now, today, we are talking all about stress and the physical body. We are going to be talking about so many different aspects. You know, when I first approached our guest that we have today, our expert, I wanted to talk about stress and nutrition. Because I don't know about you, but I know that when you are stressed or even just before you get stressed, you should be eating healthy diet, right? And there are certain things that you can eat that can help you combat stress. And so that's really where I wanted this conversation to go. However, because our expert is brilliant, she was very clear to say it's not all about nutrition. Nutrition plays a huge part in it. But when we talk about our physical bodies and its relation to stress, we can't ignore things like sleep and movement and even our own emotional state. So that's what we talk about in this episode. And I will say that when you're listening to this, some of the information is going to sound And I will say, we get pretty deep with knowledge in this episode. However, even if you're like, I feel like I need a biology degree for some of this stuff, a lot of it you are going to relate to. You're going to hear it and be like, yeah, that's exactly how I feel. And there's a lot of really practical tips in here for you. So not only am I hoping that you're going to have a ton of light bulb moments like I did, But then also you will be leaving equipped with how to better handle your health as it relates to stress. Because health isn't just about weight loss or about any of that other stuff, but it's also about just taking care of ourselves so we can function at our best. So if you find yourself tired or lack of focus, this episode is certainly for you. Now, our guest that we have on, I mentioned she is brilliant, and this is not her first time on Your Life Rocks. You can catch her last episode, episode 87 where she was sharing her testimony about what God is doing for her. Our guest today is none other than Autumn Beam, and she's the founder of Hope Wellness, a national clinical nutrition and functional wellness company based in the Los Angeles area. After her own personal battle spanning two decades, which she's going to be sharing about in this episode, Autumn made it her mission to find answers for herself and for others in the same situation. In her journey, she discovered functional medicine, which I had never heard of until Autumn had introduced me to it, and it really investigates the root cause of chronic illness, metabolic imbalance, and nutritional deficiencies to get her clients back to an optimal state of wellness in the most natural way possible. Now, not only is she highly educated and extremely brilliant and knowledgeable when it comes to things about our health and our bodies and the way it functions, but she also just has the biggest heart for helping other people and really a heart for God too. And so I know that you're going to love hearing from her. Plus, she's just so real, down to earth, and just like a regular friend that you can be talking to, except for she's smart, super duper smart. Not that your friends aren't smart. I'm sure your friends are smart, but Autumn is extremely smart. So I'm really excited to be sharing her and the wisdom that she has so generous to share with all of us today. And at the end, she has something special for you. So I hope that you stick it out until then. So without further ado, 
Let's jump right into my interview with Autumn Beam. Autumn, welcome back to Your Life Rocks. I am so excited to have you back on the show today. I'm excited to be back. I always love having conversations with you. So I've been looking forward to this for a long time. I'm like, yay, I get to talk to Jenny again. I'm so excited to talk to you because, you know, when we've had you on the show previously, we've talked about different things that are going on in your life and different topics. And this is like a new part of your journey for you that we're going to be talking about today, talk about nutrition and talking about stress and how all of those things go in together. But before we get into all of that, remind our audience who you are, what you're about and what you've been up to. I am Autumn Beam, like you introduced me, and I guess I call myself like either a holistic nutritionist or a functional medicine practitioner. It really just depends on who I'm talking to at the moment because they all kind of mean the same thing. (laughs) I actually started Hope Wellness and I launched that earlier or late spring, I guess I launched that. And so now I'm seeing clients and I'm super excited to be helping them with their functional needs. It has been such a passion of mine because of my journey and the things that I've been through. And so I'm super thrilled to be doing this finally. So share with us a little bit about what got you into this. Because I remember last time you were on and you were talking about your testimony of what God was really doing in your life with yourself and your daughter and your marriage and just all of the crazy things, which I totally recommend everyone go back and listening to that because it's We all have those times in our life where God just kind of turns things upside down. So there's a lot of really great inspiration that comes from your story there. But what has brought you to this point? I know it was was a personal experience that you had with someone who was doing exactly what you're doing now that really changed your life. So share with us a little bit about that. Sure. So the story really starts back before I even recognized that it was starting. So to me, my journey really started when things started hitting the fan, probably in my mid-20s. But if I really look back, I can see that this journey actually started a heck of a lot, you know, a lot of time before that. So it really goes back to when I was a kid. And just to give some context, you know, I was one of those 80s kids who grew up with a super poor diet. So, you know, I ate a lot of sugar and a lot of refined and processed foods, you know, things that normal kids, we call it normal now grow up eating like breakfast cereals and pop tarts and lots of candy and dessert and pizza and spaghetti and you know all those things oh, that yeah. you know that are seem very normal to us now and i was really active i was in sports i played softball i was a cheerleader i was petite and skinny and i never really had bad acne in my teen years really i mean i would get you know one here and there but it really wasn't a big problem for me but in the second part of high school really things started to really change And, you know, I grew up in the typical Western medical system. And so, you know, I didn't really think about a lot of things that I think about now. But I started experiencing around 16, some really extreme anxiety and TMI guys, some severe constipation. And I lived with it for years without any real solutions. It just became sort of a normal thing. And doctors gave me anxiety meds and they told me to increase my fiber you know, some doctors told me it was normal for people to not go to the bathroom on a normal basis. And I believe them. Mm. And so nothing was fixed. And I, it just treated the symptoms. And even those symptoms really weren't treated really well. So fast forward that to my mid 20s. And I started having other digestive problems and extreme bloating. And I was depressed and chronically fatigued. I mean, I legit couldn't function. Like I would sit on the couch and just be like, I could not even muster up the energy to do anything right now if I tried. So I was put on antidepressants for a few months, which helped a little bit, but I can't say it made that big of a difference. And then I had a hard time getting pregnant. It took me almost a year to get pregnant with my first daughter. And then I couldn't get pregnant again. We tried for another several months. And finally, we just just like, this is not, (laughs) we're going to stop this because it was a lot of stress and we were really happy with the way things were. So we kind of just left it at that. After I had my daughter, I was diagnosed with fibromyalgia you know, chronic pain and chronic fatigue, the chronic digestive problems. And after seeing 13 different doctors and specialists in just about every single category from primary care to GI to rheumatology, endocrinology, like everything, everything just kept going downhill and nothing was getting better. And I mean, if anything, there were band-aids. Finally, the guy who diagnosed me with fibromyalgia was like, you know, I could give you pain meds, but they only work 30% of the time and they have side effects. And so, you know, there's really not much we can do for you. You know, I had one doctor tell me my problems were all in my head. This is prior to this diagnosis and that nothing was actually wrong with me. I gained 15 pounds 
above my normal weight. And a doctor told me that was normal for my height, according to the chart. And I was like, I've never been this weight in my life. Why would that be normal? It's not normal for me. And he said, no, it's normal. And I was just like, not willing to accept these answers, you know? So not a single one of these doctors talked to me about the quality of my nutrition, asked me what I was eating. And I just started doing some self-study on my own and was finally introduced to functional medicine. And functional medicine is the idea that there are root causes to symptoms and disease. And unsurprisingly to me now, they usually begin with diet and lifestyle. And so I went back to school to get my graduate degree in clinical nutrition with a specific emphasis in functional medicine. There's a really big difference between some of the traditional nutrition programs and one that focuses on alternative functional medicine. And so I wanted to make sure that that's what I was learning. And I can say today that I have no fibromyalgia symptoms anymore, and I am not constipated. (laughs) And my energy level has greatly improved. I can actually function in my day and get things done with energy. And there was a time that I could not even exercise more than 15 minutes a day because it would actually make me more tired. Mm -hmm. And now I can actually exercise and feel like a normal human after. So, you know, now I'm just passionately like dedicated to helping others recover from these problems. So people are diagnosed with things like fibromyalgia and IBS and eczema and different headaches. You know, some people have migraines and dry skin and things like these are all symptoms to actual problems that are going on. I mean, we give them a name and we call them a diagnosis, but they're really just symptoms of what your body's not doing properly and the imbalance in your systems. And so I'm passionate about helping people find the source of those problems for them because sometimes they can come from different places for different people and helping them find the answers and fixing it as much as we're able to or managing it at the very least. And what I think is so amazing about this is is knowing you and knowing your personality, I could totally see you going to all of these different specialists and not accepting what they're saying. It just makes me think about how many people, myself included, if the doctor says something, like that's just accepted. And, you know, maybe it's just I'm tired or I'm bloated or I don't feel good or whatever because of just, you know, life is hard. Like adulting is hard and it's exhausting <laughs> and being a parent yeah. is exhausting and being a working mom is exhausting. And You know, it reminded me last night we did a a group coaching call for our Life Balance members and we were almost like a masterclass for weekly planning. And one of our members that was in there, she was just talking about how, you know, on the weekends, it's just hard for her to get motivated and to stay focused of doing the things that she knows she needs to do in order to set herself up for success for the week ahead. And, And she just was talking about being really tired and, you know, and it's sometimes it's that fine line of knowing, okay, it was a hard week and so I'm tired and I need to recover. Or is there actually something going on that I need to address nutritionally. Yeah, right. And I know we're going to jump into some of that stuff today. And I want to be clear about doctors. Functional nutritionists and doctors come from two different perspectives. We look at things differently. And what I don't mean to say and what I don't want people to hear when I talk about doctors and and their response to me is that not every doctor approaches things this way. This was just my experience and the set of doctors that I went to I would say that's the majority of them, but there are definitely functional medicine doctors and there are doctors with a functional perspective. But generally in medical school, they are taught to find diseases that they can give a name and then they treat them. And usually that's with pharmaceuticals. And there are doctors who talk about nutrition, maybe not in the same way that I would, but I work to optimize people. I look at their blood work and I'm like, oh, well, they're like, well, my, my doctor says my labs are normal. And I'm like, really? Because I see something different. Mm. So that's interesting. And I am, thank you for providing that clarification. I know certainly I've had doctors in the past that I left and I'm like, I don't feel like they provided anything other than maybe a prescription. (laughs) And then my current doctor that I have, I travel a long time to go see her. Like she's not close, but she is one of those people who is very curious by nature and wants to know what's going on and isn't just treating the symptoms, but really wants to get to the root cause of things. And it's rare to find a doctor like that. And when you do, it's it's special. It's really hard. It's really hard to find it. And it's just one of those things where the Western medical system is set up so that it actually makes doctors, it gives doctors a really hard time getting to the root of things because they don't have enough time. Mm -hmm. The way that things are set up, you have 20 minutes to see a patient. When I see my clients, I see them for 60 to 75 minutes the very first time. When was the last time you went to a doctor and sat with them for 75 minutes? Wow. And dug into your medical history. I mean, that just doesn't really happen. So the way that the system is set up doesn't really lend itself sometimes to finding the answers, but they want to give you some help. So they're like, well, what I know I can do for the symptoms you're telling me in this 20 minutes is I know I can give you this prescription. 
Hmm. Yeah. You know what and, I'm saying? And they're just trying to help. Yeah. Yeah. But it's just the system that, that's set up to not necessarily do the best good that it could do. Yeah. It's just changed a lot over the years when insurance companies get involved and different things like that. But that's a whole nother podcast. Oh, yeah. Lady. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I was just going to say. So because a lot of the things are, are medical or disease driven. But today I really want to talk and dial in about stress because stress is one of those things that everyone has, regardless of any other kind of medical background. We all have stress in our life. Some of us might have more stress than others, or we might go different seasons in our life where stress is a, a bigger play than in other seasons of our life. But talk to us about our bodies and, and what are those physical responses that happen when we experience stress? What happens inside of our body? Sure. There are different things for different sources of stress. And so let's talk in general, like what is stress? You know, stress is a hard word to define sometimes because it, mm-hmm. it can mean different things depending on the source of the stress and, and sort of what's causing it. So Stress in my world means, means a couple of different things, but for the sake of this conversation, let's just say stress is sort of a re- reaction that can cause an imbalance as a result of mental or physical demand above what the body's needs can be met. Now, what that balance looks like depends on what category or categories of things are impacting you at the time. So the thing to understand about stress is that there are different kinds of stressors that all have a stress response in the body. So you can break those down into like four major categories that I'll jump into. And although nutrition is like a massive factor in stress, you can't exclude the other three categories because you can eat well all day long, but if you're not doing these other things, you'll still be putting your body under stress and cause chronic problems or even disease. So we want to be making sure that we're, we're looking at the whole package and not just one piece. Mm, that's so, good. so those four things really are boiled down to poor sleep, lack of movement or exercise, mental and emotional stressors that happen in our lives. You know, you go through a divorce, a loved one dies, your dog dies, or you just have a really like a lot of pressure because you have a deadline at work. Like those are kind of mental and emotional stressors. And then there's poor nutrition. So what you're saying is that these four different things can cause stress or they're different impacts of stress? Both. So your mental and emotional state can cause an increased stress reaction in your body depending on the way that you're thinking about it. Mm. And the way that you eat, if you're eating poorly, can cause a stress reaction in your body. If you're getting poor sleep, that can exacerbate stress. You know what I mean? So it's it's kind of a little bit of both, honestly. Yeah, that's so good because sometimes I think that emotional piece, especially, we don't always take that into consideration. You know, we don't always take that, like to think about like what is going on in my head while the stress is happening? How am I positioning that or, or looking at it or framing it up for myself? Is it making it the stress bigger than it actually needs to be? Or am I looking at it in an appropriate, healthy way? And so glad that you brought that up because I think that that's one of the things that we don't often think of when we think about the stress in our life. Yeah. And sometimes we get too busy to really recognize what we're actually thinking and feeling in the moment. We know that we feel stressed. We have that like tension or headache or just that flustery feeling of like, oh gosh, I got to get all this done. But we don't really stop to think about what emotions we're feeling in that moment Yeah, or or the thoughts, the actual way that we're framing our thoughts in that moment. Like we don't think about what those are either. We just kind of operate and try to survive and keep moving. Yeah, totally. And I think that that's obviously, you know, we're talking about stress in a very general way. And sometimes when we're talking about like work stress or, you know, you're pushing yourself really hard to do something or, or something's happening. I think sometimes the first things that go are movement and exercise and sleep. Those are like the first two things I know for me that go. And I find too, that even like nutrition, like I know because I've, you know, this is a topic that interests me and I've, I've researched it a lot and I've worked in wellness companies. And so I, I know that nutrition and stress and there's things that you can do. But yet when I get stressed, I don't crave health food. <laughs> I don't crave fruits and vegetables and protein and things. I crave sugar and I crave junk food and I crave comfort from that food. And so it almost feels like a, a self-sabotaging wheel. Like, you know what I mean? When stress seeps in, these four categories tend to kind of fall apart. Yeah. Yeah. They, they really do. And those are the things that we need to be looking at when we are stressed so that we can avoid what you're saying is happening. And there's also a biochemical component to what you're talking about too. And I'm sure like through this conversation, we will also talk about kind of what that looks like. But sometimes we think that it's the stress that's causing us to crave sugar and caffeine and all these other things. And sometimes it is, you know, you the, Emotions like joy and anger are actually associated with increased hunger. (laughs) 
not so much stress. But yeah, I mean, there is a comfort and an addictive sort of association with comfort foods when it comes to stress. But there can actually be a biochemical component to why that, that those cravings might actually be occurring. So we can talk about some of that. But would you like me to kind of jump yeah, into some of the jump, categories a little bit? Yeah, jump into the categories because I want to know more about this. This is really good. Okay. So the first thing I mentioned we talk about is like poor sleep. So sometimes we think about sleep in terms of the importance like, oh, I just feel tired the next day, you know, if I don't sleep. And we think that the only side effect sometimes to lack of sleep is tiredness or lack of focus or whatever. And that is true. But there's something else going on during sleep that I think that people don't really think about. And it's that our body actually is growing and repairing itself during sleep. So certain hormones that trigger the process of growth and repair are actually only released during sleep. Mm. So that is why things like muscle, heart, blood vessel, and immune building activities can actually go awry when we're not getting enough sleep. So it's actually like cardiovascular problems and hormonal imbalances and obviously low energy and cognitive function are actually associated with lack of sleep. So if you're not getting enough sleep and your body isn't producing these hormones long enough for you to be able to have this growth and repair, you're going to see, like, you might get sick more often. You know, you might see some, your immune system start to slip a little bit. You might get sick more often during the year than you used to simply because you're not sleeping. I mean, adults really need to be getting seven to eight hours of quality sleep per night. So, I mean, if you're staying awake on your phone, binging Netflix, exposing yourself to blue light all night, which actually will keep you awake and prevent you from falling asleep really well, you won't get the right amount of sleep. But there are going to be some people who are kind of are going through a, you know, sort of phase, you know, like, okay, you had a baby. Guess what? You're not going to sleep a solid eight hours. Right. So that's when it's really important to take rest when you can and understand and be okay during that phase. Like, I know this is a phase and we will get past this phase. But, you know, you wonder where mom brain comes from. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's definitely part of it. But if none of those things are, are a factor, but you're still having trouble falling asleep, like let's say you're not in a phase of life where you're having kids and you're trying to get good sleep and you're still not sleeping well, you're having insomnia, but you're not binging Netflix. Most of us are, let's be real. Most of us are binging Netflix. Yeah. But you actually could have other habits that are out of balance. You could have nutrition that's out of balance. It's causing you to not sleep. You can have hormonal imbalances. You can have a dysregulated HPA axis, which stands for your hypothalamus pituitary adrenal axis. If you have this hypothalamus pituitary adrenal action function problem, it can actually cause you not to sleep really well. You can find yourself waking up a lot, having a hard time falling asleep. And we think, oh gosh, that's a sign of old age. Like we're getting old now. We're, we're in our 30s or 40s. Oh my gosh, we're getting so old now. And <laughs> or I'm a parent now. I'm a parent, so I'm just tired all the time. That's just a side effect of being a parent. It can actually be metabolic dysregulation, not because you're a parent. Right. Okay. So sometimes we cast blame at some other things when there might be something deeper going on. Exactly. Exactly. They could be caused by a stressful situation. They could be caused by diet. They may have nothing to, you may not feel that stress. You just have a crappy diet. Like, let's be real. And all of a sudden you have this HPA axis dysfunction or thyroid dysregulation as a result of poor diet. We'll get into that a little bit later, but those cause stressors on the body. And then all of a sudden you're not sleeping and you don't understand why. And you think, oh, well, it just so happens that I'm a parent now. So it must be parenthood that just happens when I'm getting older. And it's just not true. Oh my gosh. And see, this is why I wanted to have you on because I think so many times we give in to the thought that, well, I'm just going to be tired all the time now because I'm a parent or I, you know, have this stressful job. So then I have to like exchange my energy because of that. Where I, I feel like that there are things that we can do to help support ourselves and set us up for success versus just copying out and being like, well, this is just how it's going to be from now on. Cause you know, I'm 35, so I'm old and it's expected that, you know, things are going to start falling apart or I'm going to start getting tired. So I love that you like, this should be empowering for people to hear, right? That there's other things when they understand what's going on with their health that they can do to help them have great sleep, to help them feel their very best. Yeah. And I can't tell you how many of my clients that I've worked with who tell me that when they go to their doctors and say, well, I'm tired, you know, their doctors check their lab results and they say, well, your thyroid's normal. It may or may not be. Let me just throw that out there. And, you know, all your labs look good. So you're just a mom now. So, you know, that's just going to happen to you. And it just drives me insane. I just can't even handle it. I just, uh, <laughs> yeah. but anyway, so the next, you know, lack of movement. I don't really think I need to like really dive really deeply into lack of movement. I think most of us understand the value of exercise. 
but it does boost our immunity. It increases our focus and our mental alertness and our cognition. You know, it helps lower stress and that affects all of those things. So exercise is really important. Look, let me be real. Like I am not a gym rat. I am not one of these people that is like, I'm going to go to the gym for an hour a day. Like I don't have time for that either. So You know, my goal is get 30 minutes of exercise at least three days a week and try to walk a lot in between around that. Just try to like not be sitting all the time. Walk outside with my kid. You know, like don't feel like you have to be a gym rat. Thank you for that. Because I think it's like all or nothing mentality, right? Like if you say you need to move more and work out more automatically, I go to like thinking, okay, so I need to be like an hour a day of cardio. And then they, you know, you hear all this stuff about lifting weights and how that's important. And then stretching. That's important. Next thing you know, it's like a full-time job just to be working out. Oh my gosh. Totally. You've hit the nail on the head. And so some people get started for a couple weeks because they got their 21 day fix program. That's, you know, six or seven days a week for three weeks. Like, no, unless you are like an insane gym rat or you really love fitness and that's just something you're really passionate about, which I think a lot of us are not like, I'm not super passionate about fitness Mm -hmm. in that way. I like to exercise and it makes me feel really good. But, you know, seven days a week, six days a week, like that's just really not realistic for a lot of people. And the other thing I like to say is do what makes you happy. Don't do an hour on the treadmill because you think that's what you're supposed to do. Like if you like walking, hiking, if you like swimming, if you like yoga, if you like strength training, or if you don't, you know, whatever, do the things that you like to do that are in that movement category, but don't try to fit yourself into something that you're doing because you think you're supposed to like running. Like I hate running. You will not catch me dead running. It's not happening. (laughs) See, I love running. Then you read articles (laughs) of people that are like, running does no good. It does more harm than good. And you're better off doing HIIT workouts. I'm like, well, I don't want to do a HIIT workout. I hate doing like burpees and stuff like that. I would rather go for a run. But then you read things and this is where it gets so confusing and it goes same thing with nutrition and everything else is it's like, as soon as you hear someone say, this is the right thing to do. And then you hear someone saying, that's the absolute worst thing that you can do for yourself. And it's maddening. It's a maddening world of health and nutrition and all of this stuff. Yeah. And the truth of the matter is it depends. Like if you're running and you're doing fine and you're not having knee pain and you're not, you know, whatever, keep running. Like whatever. But if you're that person who's trying to run because you think you're supposed to and you're like, gosh, my knees hurt and I'm forcing myself to do this and my hips hurt and whatever. Running is not for you. Please do something else. Beautiful. Well said. I love it. All right. Next. What's next on the list? We talked about sleep. We talked about movement. Yes. So mental and emotional stress. Mm -hmm. Let's, this is a big one. This is sort of a big one. So having a busy mind or going through a stressful life event, can obviously impact our body. So the mind, and you've heard the mind is a powerful thing. You know, obviously the mind is a really powerful thing, but like we said before, it's how we frame those thoughts. So if your thoughts of busyness are, I'm so busy, like, oh, there aren't enough hours in the day. How am I ever going to get this done? If that's the way you're framing your busyness, it actually is going to ramp up your stress response in your body. So you have to reframe the way you think about being busy. Like we talked about earlier, I don't think we were recording it. I don't know. But that productivity, you know, like mm-hmm. I'm so productive today. Like you might be busy, but I'm so productive today. It's reframing those thoughts in a more positive way so that it doesn't stress you out. So the day of like, oh my gosh, how am I going to get anything done today? It's just it's like, think about, gosh, I got three things done today. This is really great. Like how productive was I? So change the way that you're thinking about it. Yes. I love that. That's so good. So the other thing, God gave us what we've all probably heard of as the fight or flight mechanism, and he gave us that for our protection. So that's there for a purpose. But what happens is with chronic stress, rather than protecting us from an immediate situation, like the tiger chasing you, you know, it gets turned on all the time. So when your body thinks it's in a constant state of stress, it thinks it needs more stress hormone to be able to operate. And so this can definitely be controlled by the way that we think about what's going on in our lives. And Mm -hmm. so the problem with this is that it affects our metabolic function. So this can result in fatigue, the HPA axis dysfunction I talked about earlier, sleep problems, cognitive problems, adrenal and thyroid problems, and it can even impact our digestive system and our fertility. That's a huge one. So think about it. When you're running from a tiger, your body down-regulates its need for digestion and reproduction because they are not essential in fight or flight. 
Oh my gosh. That is like such a huge light bulb thing to think about. Yeah. You don't need to be making babies when you're running away from the tiger. Uh, no. <laughs> you don't need to digest food. Your body's not worried about it. It's worried about survival. And so you turn this mechanism on all the time and then it doesn't know anymore. And so then your baseline for what is not stress, actually, your sort of calm state is actually at a higher level. Your body thinks stress is normal and then that becomes mm -hmm. your baseline. So then it operates from that and then things can really go haywire. So we need times of rest and digest. If you're one of those people who works through lunch and doesn't sit down and have a meal, stop it. Oh my gosh. It's you so crazy. Yeah. Oh, I know. You might not get those three other emails, you know, read or responded to during that lunchtime that you, you know, could be sitting down, but that's how essential it is for you to be, I mean, you need to be digesting your food. And it's so amazing because like when you say it, it makes so much sense, but it's one of those things that you just don't ever really think about in that way or in, you know what I'm saying? Like mm -hmm. when you, when you explain it like that, it's like, well, duh. And truly like what really matters. And I think this is where we sometimes can downplay our own health, especially when we have other things that are calling for our attention or, or where we even see our identity. I know for a lot of women that I know, like that busyness, like it makes them, it's almost like their self-worth. Like I'm busy, therefore I'm important. I have, I can't afford to take a lunch break, therefore I'm important. And I think that that kind of goes right into that mental, emotional play of stress as well. But knowing that impact that it has for you, I mean, knowledge is power. I totally believe that. So having you on and having you being able to walk us through what that impact is when we're doing that and how it affects. And if you're listening to this, this like sounds familiar. I just want you to even think about like how this impacts other parts of your life, how it impacts how you show up as a mom, how it impacts how you show up for yourself, for your husband, for your friends, for your coworkers, definitely plays into the way that we fully can be who God made us to be. And so I love that you're bringing our attention to this so that we can really bring it into the light, examine it, see it for what it is and what we're doing for ourselves. And then the next thing I'm going to ask you, of course, is how do we manage this? <laughs> because it's easier said than done, right? Out of course. way easier to be like, you need to take a lunch break and calm down the stress. And it's harder to actually just do that, especially when you're on this hamster wheel of go, 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 stress, stress, stress. And sometimes there can be stress that are outside of our control. It's not just stress we're making up for ourselves. Right. And that's completely true. And the only answer that I can come up with, because it depends on the person, is that you can't afford not to. Hmm. That's the bottom line. Like you can't afford not to stop because your health depends on it. Your ability, like you said, to show up as a mom effectively because it, it, it does, it changes our level of patience. It changes how we think. It, it changes a lot of things when we don't stop and smell the roses as it were. And so you can't afford not to. So mm -hmm. if it means stopping during lunch and throwing on Netflix and watching an episode of Friends for the one millionth time just to get your mind off of something and to sit and eat slowly, you know, and just kind of come down off of that high of busyness for just a bit. Like, that's what you need to do. I mean, I know some people think like, I can't afford to do that. You can't afford not to. It's all a priority-based system, right? What is our priority? And there have been times where you have to say no. There is a time to say no. And that just might be the time. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. That's really good. So talk to us now about nutrition. How does nutrition play into this? And why is that important? Yeah, sure. And before we go on to that, there's one thing I do want to mention about this yeah. fight or flight response that I think you'll find very interesting. And it's something that I mentioned earlier, and that's fertility issues. So if you're a high stress person with fertility issues, that can actually be a biochemical issue that's actually happening in your body. So what happens when we're stressed and we stimulate our adrenal glands, we stimulate something called cortisol. So cortisol does something where when your body feels like it needs a lot of it, it does something called a pregnenolone steal. So it means that your body is stealing what it needs to make your sex hormones to make more cortisol instead. Mm. So when you see changes in your period, your energy levels are going up and down, you can't get pregnant, all of a sudden you have weight gain and acne and you don't seem to understand because you're eating right and you're sleeping right and you just don't understand, this is what might be happening to you. Oh my goodness. That's yeah. huge. Because even for people who don't want to get pregnant, like that's not what their goal is in life right now, like myself. But even, you know, like when you said regulating your period and not being kind of all over the place. And I mean, that's huge. That's yeah, and totally. And it might look like PMS symptoms for you. And we've come to this place in the society where we think that PMS symptoms are normal. <laughs> They're <laughs> not. 
so, you know, you may not be trying to get pregnant, but you may be PMSing up the wazoo and you, you don't understand why, or you, your period has changed. It looks different than it used to. And you think, oh, well, you know, I'm just getting older and that just happens. Yeah. But it's really that fight or flight, the cortisol reaction. It can be. That's affecting it. Yeah, it certainly can be. It can be other things as well, but that's a really common problem for people. Mm, that's so good. Let's talk about poor nutrition. Okay, that's what okay. we wanted to get on Okay, yes. So if you feel like all of a sudden you're constipated, you're burping a lot, you have indigestion, you know, that actually, those are things that can be related to your, your stress level. So let me explain to you kind of what's, from a nutrition standpoint, sort of what's happening to you. So, you know, we talked about fight or flight and how it shuts off digestion. Well, stress actually down-regulates your production of hydrochloric acid, which is the acid in your stomach that helps you digest food. When it isn't breaking down, it can cause gas and indigestion or heartburn, as people like to call it, acid reflux, and it impacts your ability to absorb vitamins and minerals. So hydrochloric acid is required to break down the foods to uptake minerals. You actually have to have a specific pH and a specific amount of acid for you to be able to actually break down these foods. So it can decrease with age too, but the answer is not antacids. So this is what people do. They get heartburn, they grab an antacid, they throw it in, you know, and they, and they take it, neutralizes the problem, they go on. Well, <laughs> I try to help my clients support those things naturally so that they don't need antacids because hydrochloric acid is needed for protein digestion and it synthesizes B12, folic acid, chromium, manganese, iron, zinc, copper, calcium, magnesium, the list goes on. So when you're stressed and you're not producing enough hydrochloric acid, you're not breaking down these nutrients, your body's not getting these nutrients. And when you take an acid that neutralizes, that it changes the pH in your stomach, your body can't uptake those nutrients either. Oh, so, interesting. So people who, have, who take antacids frequently actually will end up having nutrient deficiencies. And because of those nutrient deficiencies, all of a sudden they're going to have all these other things that go haywire. Their immune system's going to go crazy. They're going to develop skin problems. Unfortunately, they might end up developing diseases long-term because the nutrients weren't there to do what they needed to do. So that's one of like the biggest ways that stress affects our body when it comes to actual nutrition. And I can actually tell by looking at someone's CBC panel, which is a commonly ordered blood work that your doctor will order, if they have what we call hyperchlorhydria or not enough HCL. And what I'm not saying, I'm not saying your lab work is abnormal. Like you may not have values that say, oh, this is higher, this is low. But I can actually look at it and say, mm, I can see that you're not digesting your food well. And I can identify this. So, interesting. Interesting. And a large yeah. part of it has to do with stress. Oh, yeah. I mean, most of it when it comes to that issue has to do with stress. And also, like stress actually, the chemical processes that occur in your body actually use up the nutrients that you're eating. So, for example, let's say you, you know, have some vitamin C in the broccoli that you just ate. Well, your stress hormones that are in your body might actually use up that vitamin C because it needs it to process the biochemistry that's sort of happening, then the vitamin C can't actually be used for what it's intended for. Mm, so even if you are making healthy choices, the stress counteracts it. Exactly. It can, for sure. You know, take that. Just, just take that. Like, okay, you're stressed and your body's using up nutrients and let's couple that with a poor diet and lack of sleep and you are on your way to disease. Cut mm. out. Which is so sad because, you know, when you, when you find yourself in those stressful situations, I'm coming off a very stressful time at work where I was having a lot of reduced sleep because I had to put in a lot of extra hours to get some things done. And like I said before, like, even though I know good nutrition helps, I was taking good supplements and doing all of those things, like putting good in, but I was also putting in bad <laughs> on top of the good. So I wasn't like avoiding the good, but like that stress cycle makes you want to crave for me, it was like the sugar. Like I just was craving sugar like nobody's business while I was dealing with the stress and not getting sleep. And so knowing that like that sends you on that road for disease, like that's scary. It's pretty scary right. to think about. And, and let's address that for a second when you're craving sugar, okay? So when you're stressed, and, I, and I, as I talked about, you're stimulating your adrenal glands to produce cortisol. Your adrenal glands are responsible for your blood sugar regulation. So, I mean, obviously coupled with insulin and that whole process of, you know, regulating your blood sugar, but when you're highly stressed, your blood sugar can kind of be dysregulating, kind of go up and down a little bit, and that can make you hungry. And then you, your body wants to get as much blood sugar as it can, right? And the way that your blood sugar goes up and down is through glucose, which is basically all food is broken down into a form of glucose that we use for energy. So if you're low on, on your blood sugar, if you're low on blood glucose, your body is going to crave the thing that's going to get it up the fastest. 
And that is refined carbohydrates and sugar. Ah. And so the answer to that, uh, you want answers. I'll give you answers. Yes, yes, yes. The answer to that is obviously lowering your stress is going to help. Obviously, changing your diet and making sure you're eating a well-balanced plate of healthy food is going to help keep your blood sugar balanced as well so you don't crave those foods. But when you do, because it will happen, we cannot escape this. You know, it will happen. I mean, the solution is really simple. Eat something else. Because, (laughs) I mean, that sounds like such a cop-out. Like, oh, okay. Like, but I really want this other thing. Well, that's an emotion. Like, it's a biochemical. When you can understand that, like, biochemical reaction. You could think to yourself, okay, I'm craving carbs and sugar right now. This is a biochemical reaction that's happening in my body. This is not actually what I want. Mm. It, it's turning into emotion. It's making me feel like I want it and it's comforting. But what your body really is asking you for is food. So eat anything else. Take some sliced up bell pepper and some hummus, carrot sticks, I mean, whatever, any other kind of healthy food. I don't care. I don't really care what it is. Just any other healthy food and eat it, and you will find that as soon as your blood sugar comes up, you don't even care about that sugar anymore. You're like, you're not craving it anymore. The craving is gone. Mm. You gave your body what it actually wanted. So this is so good. And so two things I want to point out. Number one, thank you for saying like, it's just like a normal physical thing. You are going to crave sugar. Like when your body hits that point, you are going to crave sugar. Because I think sometimes we can judge our own selves to be like, oh my gosh, how horrible am I that I'm like wanting sugar right now? At least I do. I always think like, oh my gosh, like seriously, girl, get your stuff together. You know, you don't need sugar. Why in the world are you craving sugar? So it takes some of that pressure off and like just knowing that that's like a biological function. And thank you so much for making it so factual too and calling it out that it is an emotion and we do not need to be pulled around and directed our life by our emotions and letting that control us. And so thank you for saying, just eat something else. Just put something else in your mouth that's not that. And it gives you back that power versus your emotion and that craving having the power. Yeah. You want to know what I eat when I get, when I feel, cause yes, I get them too. Mommy. Yeah. I will literally like, don't judge me. I will literally open up a jar of almond butter from my fridge and I will get a tablespoon and I will scoop it out and I will shove it in my mouth <laughs> <laughs> because fat actually has more calories per gram than any other kind of food. And so you get a little protein and carbohydrate from the nut butter as well, but you also get healthy fat. And so when you're getting that healthy fat, your body can actually break that down and, and it actually is very satiating, which is why you should always include fat in a meal. So that is actually the first thing that I will go for when I'm craving sugar. And then I might, you know, throw some carrots in my mouth after that or whatever, if I'm still hungry. But I mean, within 15 minutes or so, my blood sugar will come back to normal and that craving will be literally gone. That's amazing. I love that tip. I love that tip because it's empowering to know what is it that we should be going for exactly. So I like the idea of having fat in there. Now, no chocolate chips though on top of it, <laughs> just the nut butter. I mean, you could throw a couple <laughs> on there. That's, that's fine. You know, dark chocolate. I'm just saying. Dark chocolate just on there, saying. you know. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, good. a couple's going to be okay. You know, just like pick up two or three and just stick it on the top of the spoon. It's all good. That's good. As long as you have self-control, which if you don't, then just stick with a nut butter. Yeah. Don't be sticking your spoon in the bag of chocolate chips. <laughs> <laughs> like maybe not that. But How I'm did not you opposed- know? How did you I know? know? I know. I'm just not opposed to that. But the other thing in terms of nutrition in, in that a stressor is inflammation. And so when we're eating things like sugar and refined foods and bad fats, we're actually causing inflammatory reactions in our body. And that's a biochemical process, and I'm not going to bore you with any of that stuff because nobody wants to hear me give a biochemistry lesson, trust me. But those inflammatory reactions will cause a stress response in your body. And those stress responses are going to cause disease. Mm. You're going to start seeing symptoms, you know, and they may not come on. I mean, you may not start seeing it for like two decades. We kind of have a pattern of things that start to show up in like 40s and 50s and things like that. Diabetes dyslipidemia or, you know, high cholesterol, those kinds of things, we heart disease, we start to see those things later in life. But those things were all set into motion from the beginning. I mean, that's how you avoid all that stuff is by not including those things as a regular part of your diet. That's all that is. It's not, I think we think sometimes that those diseases are just things that happen to us when we're old. It's like, no, those aren't things that just happen. They happened because of the decisions you made. So at what point is it, or well, number one, 
is it reversible? Like if someone's listening to this and they were like you and I and grew up, you know, like in that fast food, fast comfort food, like convenience, everything, packaged everything, lots of sugar, lots of processed food, and maybe continued in that into adulthood are starting to make some healthy choices. Is it reversible or is that just kind of like as a society, that's just the direction that we're going into. If you have been eating that way, then this is the diseases that you can look forward to in your future. I will say that most of the time, yes, it is reversible, 100%. Oh, that's good. For the people who it can be reversible for, it will be reversible. There are some people who will still have consequences of that happening, and there may still be things that you have to manage versus reverse, but most things, even to an extent, can be reversible. Oh, well, that's good news. That's super good news. Yeah, diabetes is absolutely reversible. Um, People don't realize that things like high cholesterol is reversible. Clogging in the arteries can be reversible. Usually that involves supplements or, you know, botanical herbs and stuff like that to help get rid of that, especially if it's more advanced. I mean, absolutely. They can be reversible. That's good to know. So if someone's been kind of riding the stress train, not getting enough sleep, not getting enough movement, having like emotional stress, mental stress, poor nutrition choices, there's still hope for them. They're not like doomed for like a life of fatigue that leads to disease. Right. But don't let that be the reason you continue to eat poorly because you haven't been diagnosed with something yet, you know, because it may not be reversible for you for some reason. You know, there may be something that makes it really hard. Or once you go through something like, I mean, there's so many components that involve cancer, but a lot of them can involve lifestyle parts, lifestyle Mm -hmm. things. And do you really want to test your body to the point that you go through something like that and the long-term consequences of the treatment of that? Yeah. I don't. Yeah, totally true. And it's, I think it's interesting too, like whenever we think about, and maybe this is just me, but I'm, it might not be, but you know, sometimes I think about like diseases that could happen in the future, like diabetes someday or this someday or that someday. And it's not that much of a motivator for me to do something different. Even if I know, even if you were to tell me like for sure, Jenny, by the time you turn 50, you'll have diabetes. I'm not sure that that is enough to like make me want to change my ways. However, the thought of not feeling good right now, the thought of feeling bloated and puffy and tired and not having the energy to be the mom that I want to be or being focused at work so I can be as efficient as I want to be. Like those are more of those lifestyle things that I think affect a lot of us, especially when stress kind of seeps in and starts to take over. And so what part does inflammation play into those kind of things that we experience on the day-to-day basis? Well, those are usually your indicators, early indicators, let me put it that way. So when you are experiencing those things that we kind of have come to think are normal things, that's sort of the first sign that your body is trying to tell you something is not right or you need to slow down. Mm. If you don't listen, that's when you're going to keep going. You're going to push through it, but you're not really going to push through it. Your body's at some point going to go undone. Got it. So it's really, really important for you to listen to what your body is saying. Now, eating inflammatory foods, I call them static. So when you regularly have static in your body, it actually keeps you from being able to listen as well to what your body is saying. So we think of like wild animals and how they, you know, they know what they need. They need certain nutrients. They need this or that. And we think, oh gosh, they have such great instincts. Why don't we have those instincts? (laughs) We do. (laughs) (laughs) We just don't know how to listen to them. So I know when I'm craving oysters, for example, then I'm mineral deficient. Like I will have these, these moments where I'm just like, oh my gosh, I really want some like seafood so bad. Like I really want some mussels, some oysters, you know, something like that. And I think about it and I'll, I'll think about my diet and I'm like, you know, I haven't had some really mineral dense foods in a while. So I'm like, my, that's what my body wants. But back when I was eating tons of bread and pasta and sugar and all this other stuff, like I couldn't hear any of what my body was saying. Like mm. none of it. Yeah. It was just full of so much static, I just didn't even know. And I had no idea how inflamed I was. You know, it kind of felt normal to me. Like, I didn't know. I had no idea how inflamed I was until I took it all out and actually wasn't inflamed anymore and then tried to put it back in. And I was like, whoa, (laughs) (laughs) I feel disgusting. I feel sick. I feel gross. I don't feel well. My brain isn't thinking very clearly. Like, what happened? Like, this didn't seem to be a problem when I was eating the foods before. It wasn't until I cut them out and put them back in that all of a sudden I'm having these problems. Right. And it's because you had so much static, you had no idea what was happening. 
I like that analogy of the static of the messages, like not being able to get through, like your body's trying to speak to you, but because the static is so loud, you just can't pick up on it. Yeah. That's yeah. It takes some time for people to become, when you do change your diet, it takes a long time for you to start to become in tune with some of those messages that your body is trying to tell you. And sometimes we don't realize why. So if you're really looking for it and you're changing things and, and you're thinking about those things and like, okay, now if you're craving, you know, potato chips and sugar and carbohydrates, well, that's a different problem. That's not necessarily your body saying, you need sugar, because nobody needs sugar, you know, but that's really more a potential blood sugar circulation issue, an adrenal problem, different things like that. So when you start your day eating those typical things that we call breakfast foods, waffles, pancakes, muffins, breakfast cereals, those kinds of things actually start our day off to have blood sugar dysregulation. So things like Cheerios and low-fat milk and a banana and a glass of orange juice, all you've had that entire meal is sugar. So your blood sugar is going to spike. And then all of a sudden, you're going to be starving, you know, at 1030 and you need a snack. Maybe you picked up a bagel at the office or next to the office. And then your blood sugar spikes again. And then you have a hamburger and fries for lunch. And then your blood sugar spikes again. And then all of a sudden by three o'clock, you're like, I need coffee. Yeah. Whoa. Well, you've dysregulated your blood sugar the entire day. (laughs) Like that's why you're tired and feel like you need coffee. Your body is tired. It takes a lot of energy. You don't realize how many calories and how much energy you burn when your body is trying to keep your metabolism stable. Interesting. And yet it turns into sometimes a weight issue, which I don't want to get into the whole weight issue. We'll have to save that for another topic, a whole nother time. But that will cause weight gain. Yeah. And that will prevent you from losing weight also. Interesting. So how do we remove the static? How do we, how do we clear that so that we can actually hear our body and what it needs and what it's been intended to consume? Okay. So the answer to that is very, it seems simple, but for some people it may not be simple. For some people it may take a learning curve to figure out how to, how to do this, but there really are only a few things, you know, first fill your plate with vegetables. I don't care if it's breakfast, make broccoli for breakfast, put broccoli in your eggs. I don't know, whatever. Like it doesn't matter. Have a salad a side salad with your breakfast. People think like, well, that's not breakfast food. Well, who made it not breakfast food? The American marketing of breakfast foods made it not breakfast foods. Right. So don't be afraid to have vegetables for breakfast, but you should be having three times as many vegetables as fruit as well. So a lot of us go, oh, we're eating fruit all day long because it's healthy. But the mineral density and the vitamin density in vegetables is a completely different profile than fruits. Not to say don't eat fruit, but I eat fruit like once a day, everything else is vegetables. Mm. So fill half your plate with vegetables, especially those green leafy ones. Good. So the other thing, eat whole grains. We hear that a lot, right? Like, oh, whole grains are really important to your health. Whole grains are heart healthy. Whole grain, whole grain, whole grain. But the problem is that because of marketing, we don't actually know what whole grains are anymore. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Yeah. We, We see whole grain on a box or a bag of bread, you know, or a box of pasta And we're like, oh, look, it's whole grain. It's healthy. No, a whole grain is whole wheat berries, amaranth, millet, buckwheat, quinoa, oats. Those are whole grains. The whole grain bread, your honey nut Cheerios or, you know, whatever, those are not whole grains. Those have been so refined and processed and put into a powder. That process actually removes nutrients. And then they add it back in a lot of times in fortification, but not in its original form. So they've isolated nutrients and the phytonutrients and other things that were in it before may or may not be there once they fortify it and add chemical vitamins back to it. And because they've refined it and they've taken out like the endosperm and all those fibrous components that were there before they started processing it, it actually acts as sugar in the body. Oh, interesting. So that's why real whole grains are so important not these refined things that companies try to label as whole grain because they were whole grain at one point. They are not whole grain anymore. (laughs) (laughs) So there are great breads out there though. There's something called Ezekiel bread that is Mm -hmm. actually a sprouted grain bread. The sprouting process actually helps you to be able to break down and digest it and uptake the vitamins better. Oh. And the other way that, that we make it, just the regular refined way. And there's also gluten-free versions of it that you can usually find in like a Whole Foods or Sprouts or whatever health food store is usually local to you. They're usually in the refrigerated section. They're a little more dense and they do take some getting used to, but I love making mine with avocado and I, you know, and some sprouts on top and I make a little avocado toast. Maybe I'll slice up some 
grape tomatoes in half and, you know, put a little sea salt on top and that's a great healthy snack. That or, sounds or delicious. side of a meal, throw a, you know, throw a hard boiled egg or a fried egg with it in coconut oil, bam, you got yourself a really nice quality breakfast. And that's going to keep your blood sugar stable. That's amazing. So these are the things that are going to help us clear that static. So filling your plate with half of veggies, mm-hmm. at breakfast, veggies, salad for breakfast, totally thing. It's a thing if you make it a thing, right? Yep. Whole grains, like actual legit whole grains, not marketing like ego waffle whole grains. Yeah, that's, that couldn't be less of a whole grain. So yeah, exactly. And then the last thing I would add is start paying attention to your added sugar in your food. So the USDA recommends 20 grams or less of added sugar per day. You can get 20 grams in one cup of yogurt. I was going to say that seems like impossible. It is so not impossible, but it is a process. So you have to be patient with yourself. Like I challenge anybody listening to this podcast right now, get a piece of paper and start writing down the added sugar in your foods. It's all in the nutrition label. It's not that hard. You know, it's, and what it's all, it have a nutrition label. Most f- packaged foods, canned foods, bottled foods, anything like that's going to have a nutrition label. If you're scooping a teaspoon of sugar out of the bag of sugar, usually it'll say what the serving size on the bag of sugar, like, you know, how many grams of sugar that is. Or you can even Google grams of sugar in a teaspoon and it'll actually tell you. If you have like an Amazon Echo, like you can just ask her and she'll tell you. So you should know. we be doing that for things like eggs, chicken breast, salad, no. all of that? Or we're, you're just talking about like processed food? Processed foods. Anything like yogurt, creamer, sugar you're adding. Anything that might have added sugar to it. So eggs don't have added sugar. Vegetables don't have added sugar. I'm not talking about fruit either. So that has natural sugars. Just anything with sort of added sugar. So your bread, ketchup, candy bar, ice cream, anything that is even remotely sweet likely has some sugar in it. So you can look on the nutrition label and it'll say sugar. The 2018 guidelines say added sugar, uh, but not everybody has switched over to those yet. So I kind of just operate off of whatever is on there as sugar Mm -hmm. Um, and start adding it up. You know, if your child is having, you know, an Eggo waffle with maple syrup on it, maple syrup is one of the most dense forms of grams of sugar it's we put way too much you know especially kids they're like dumping it all <laughs> over the place you know but like maple syrup start paying attention to that write it down I mean just do it for a few days like three days and start adding it up and you'll see like I took a I did a project one time where I, I took a normal like kids diet and I added up the grams of sugar and it ended up being like it was like a very normal kids diet it ended up being with like 95 grams of sugar in a day like it was insane yeah. And even that absolutely seems kind insane. of low. I mean, just from myself looking at, you know, different labels, you know, I've done things like Whole30 before and stuff like that, where they really teach you to look at the labels of stuff and you just like, oh my gosh, who knew that there was this much sugar in something that doesn't even taste sweet? Something you, like salad dressing that you wouldn't Oh my gosh, eat. yeah. And all the added sugar and stuff like that. Like anything that you're pulling with a bottle or a label, definitely look at that and see what it is and, and write it down. Just, you know, even for a day or two, like just, that's my challenge. And then you'll your eyes will really be open to how much sugar you're consuming that you honestly had no idea about. And it's so funny to me because years ago, before nutrition labels were even a thing, like people had to fight for nutrition labels. Companies did not want you to know what you were eating. Wow. Because they did not want it to affect their profits. They didn't want people to look at it and go, oh, it's really high in fat. Oh, it's really high in sugar. So we're not going to buy it. You know, and they, they really feared that it would affect their sales. And so they've put these marketing tactics out there, you know, to get you to eat it anyway but we really need to be reading the labels. Mm, That's so good. So those are really some really great tips for help us kind of clear that static so that we can clear away the inflammation. We can hear what our body needs and then be able to support it through nutrition for all of the stress that can happen. We talked a lot about the emotional, mental process and the way that we can like reframe things and just think about the way that we're stressing. Remember everyone, Autumn said, take a lunch break. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Stop the brain while you're eating so you can be doing things, getting in your movement. And thank you so much for giving us some freedom around the whole movement and exercise thing that I think is super valuable. And then sleep and having healthy sleep. And I, the thing I love about these things that you shared with us today, Autumn, is that they all, it's almost like it's all circular, right? Like the sleep goes back to the nutrition, the nutrition goes back to the movement, the sleep. They all kind of feed into each other and the way that can help us really operate at the most optimal level possible. So that regardless of any stress that happens in our life, 
that we are better equipped to handle it. Absolutely. Is there anything else that you would like to share with us that relates to stress and health and nutrition and all of the great things that you talked about today? Is there any parting thoughts that you have for the audience? Sure. We could talk about this all day. I could probably say a hundred thousand more things about this, but I can probably ask more questions about I know, I know. There are tools out there that we can use to sort of help us. One of my favorite tools is the Calm app. And you could download it for free on any app store. And it is an app that actually helps you with meditation. You know, as low as five minutes. It helps you to stop and breathe and just center yourself. And it, and it even has programs like 21 days for stress and, you know, different things like that. And there's a free version of it and a paid version of it. They also have kids meditation so that we can start teaching our own kids how to slow down and be mindful. And there are things called sleep stories where you can actually, you know, put in your headphones and fall asleep to a very soothing story rather than watching Netflix and trying to fall asleep. This is a fantastic tool. So get it, download it for free, try it out. I mean, it is, you will be blown away at how helpful it is if you use it, even on a semi-consistent basis. I find it really helpful. And they even have deep stress help, you know, deep things that help with stress, like, you know, 30 minute ones. If you're like really like having a panic attack or something, you know, that you can kind of be helped through, through different things like that. And the other thing I would say is that the thing that I think is most amazing and that I personally use with my clients are something called adaptogens. So adaptogens are botanical herbs and they usually come in liquid or capsule form that help to modulate the stress response. So if you're very stressed, it actually helps you stay a bit more even rather than kind of flying off the handle. And Mm -hmm. if you're in an acutely stressful situation, it helps calm your nerves a bit. And there are herbal formulas that I use with my clients. I am a stickler for quality when it comes to adaptogens. So I get all of my adaptogens for my clients from Australia. And Australia has one of the only FDA-style organizations that oversees supplements. The only other country I think that has one is Canada. So I source all of my adaptogens from Australia. They are pure and they have a medicinal effect. And it's just not the same as the -the over-the-counter ones that I've tried to go buy at like the store or whatever. I mean, night and day difference. So the U.S. clients that I work with, I usually give them that. You know, I had a recent client who was literally the most stressed out person that I know who finally decided to give adaptogens a try. And she had intense stress for years. She contacted me and was just like, oh my gosh, I feel like a completely different human being. Yeah, and, it is a game changer. I've been using it, adaptogens for, for a few years and it's a huge game changer. Yeah, absolutely. And so that's something I recommend. People can definitely contact me if they want more information on those. And yeah, it's like they are a game changer for, I mean, because there's going to be stress in your life that just doesn't go away. There are things that we can do to help, but you're going to go through periods of your life where things are just stressful. If you're moving, you know, moving is like one of the most stressful things. If you just lost a loved one, that's a really stressful thing. I mean, those are times that you really want to hit it hard with the adaptogens because you need to help modulate that stress response or you're going to end up getting sick. Mm, Yeah, that's so good. I love it. Well, if people want to learn more about you or your services or adaptogens that you recommend, what would be the best way for them to reach you? The best way to find me is either on Instagram at I am Autumn Beam or at my website, hopewellnessla.com. Fantastic. And we will be linking to Autumn in our show notes page and in our Facebook group. So I hope that you go and you check her out because not only is she just brilliant and fully equipped with everything that she knows with knowledge, but she's just a really awesome person and she has an amazing heart that wants to help everybody. So I'm super excited for your new practice and I certainly learned a lot today. So thank you so much for bringing so much wisdom to share with everybody. I'm really blessed. I feel like God has just put this in my life because he allowed me to go through all of this so that I can turn around and help other people and make them more aware of kind of what's going on in our world. And you know, and I'd love to offer your listeners $25 off my introductory wellness program when they mention your podcast. So if they contact me and they get that deal, it'll include an in-depth initial consultation. So like I said, that's the 60 to 75 minute consultation. It includes a follow-up and up to four email check-ins throughout that program. And it's exclusive to your listeners only. I have not offered this to anybody else. That is so amazing. Thank you so much, Autumn. I so appreciate you that offering that to everyone who's listening. That's incredible. I, absolutely. I would love to help as many people as I can. Whoever will come to me and however you know, many hours in the day I have for it, I would love to help people. See, this is why I love you. Thank you so much for coming on. Thanks for having me. And there you go. I told you. 
a wealth of knowledge. We probably could have talked for so many more hours, just so many more questions that I have for Autumn. She is amazing with everything that she does. And if you are looking to take back your health, if you are looking to heal your body through nutrition, through having some of those healthy activities that Autumn talked about, I hope that you check her out. We will link to everything Autumn in our show notes page. And remember, when you contact her, mention Your Life Rocks and you'll save $25 off your program. I want to say a special thank you for everyone who is listening, for one, because I think it's amazing that you are spending time here with me and I know how limited your time is. And so the fact that you would listen to the show every week, even just listening once, if this is your first time listening, thank you for listening. You know, when I'm recording these episodes, I often wonder, is anyone even listening? And yet I'm seeing the numbers increase week over week. So if you've been sharing this podcast with your friends, with your family, with other working moms that you know, thank you. From the bottom of my heart, thank you. It means so much. It truly is our mission here to help working moms redefine what balance means for them so that they can live in a world where it is possible for them to have balance, where it is possible for them to go after a career that they love, be an incredible mom, incredible wife, and most importantly, rest in the fact that they are the daughter of the king. Now, we have even more great episodes in store for you, especially as we start moving closer to Christmas time. So I will be popping up some polls in our Facebook community. So if you're not yet a part of that, make sure you search for us in Facebook, or you can go to yourliferocks.com and click on the community tab and get a direct link. Now, another way you can find the community is inside the Your Life Rocks app. If you don't have the app yet, make sure you go on over to the App Store, download it, and you'll not only have all of the podcasts right at your fingertips and a link to the community, but all of the courses from our Life Balance membership are in there if you choose to upgrade. And if not, then you still get weekly success planning, both the course and the tool to help you define and create more balance in your life. I can't wait to chat with you all next week. And until then, keep building a life that rocks. Bye. Bye.